You're listening to Resurrection South Austin, a community of faith, learning to do life together in the goodness of God. For more information, you can find us online at resaustin.com. Repentance and forgiveness of sins is to be proclaimed in my name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem, and you are witnesses of these things. In the name of God, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Can I have a seat? I, I think it's, I don't know, there's, I'm laughing at myself over here because if you've heard any of the readings, if you're just listening a second ago, I don't know what's left out here in the readings today. It's kind of like, hey, Sean, in 15 minutes or less, tell the entire Christian story from like creation to end. Everything that God's intending to do, wrap that up and land it for us before we come to the altar. It seems like a huge order. Um, so we're going to try that today. We're gonna, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go for it, okay? You guys up for this? I'm feeling the pressure. Let's do this. Well, today, uh, by the way, hallelujah, Christ has risen. Oh, man. Okay, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hallelujah, Christ is risen. There we go. Okay. Hallelujah. Well, we are, st- and I, the reason we do this is not only because um, this is the season where we actually get to say that with a little bit of uh, like gumption, some umph. Uh, we're not always going to be celebrating the Christian year this way, so this is a season but also because we need to remember that Easter, resurrection of the Lord, is not just this one day thing that we can kind of set aside, put on the shelf, move on with our lives, but this thing that kind of persists and works on us and is now we're getting used to the reality that we live under. This is reality. Can you imagine a headline like that? Here's what's going on in the world. Christ has risen from the dead. So now we got to live under that truth and that reality. Well, Today is the feast of, well, Thursday was the feast of the ascension, but in the tradition of the church, it's one of those things that you can move those feasts. And so we're celebrating the feast of the ascension today on Sunday. And if you are new to um, anything of like church tradition or history or liturgical stuff or kind of all this stuff, the ascension may be just one of those words you've never really heard before. Maybe you, maybe you have heard, but you have no idea what's going on. It has something to do with this really strange and mythical story of Jesus uh, kind of disappearing into the clouds and the disciples left kind of dumbfounded like, well, now what, you know? Well, uh, I can certainly appreciate looking at the ascension and saying, what in the world is going on? And I think as Christians, if we're not honest with ourselves, we gotta have those moments where we read these stories and step back and as a clear-headed person, we think, seriously? Like, really? Think about this. Mario, a bodily Jesus who's not only been raised from the dead, wandering around, appearing to all these people for days and days and days to finally ascend into the Father's presence in heaven, in the heavenly realm, and the disciples are standing there saying, what now? Wait, first of all, what was that? As Christians, if we're not dealing squarely with that, I think we actually may miss an opportunity to reap the fruit of what's actually being given to us here in this new reality of the resurrection and the ascension of Jesus. Well, we've been considering all these things. The last few weeks, if you haven't been with us, we've been in this series called Come Alive. We've been making our way through the letter of 1 Peter um, and looking at what what it looks like, what it means for us as Christians living today to live in light of the resurrection, what that changes for us. So the first week we talked about what what it means to be rooted in love, and not just any kind of love, but the love of Jesus, the risen Jesus. What does it mean to be anchored 
and rooted in that kind of love. That's what we looked at. Then we looked at what it means to be a sacred community. First Peter calls us the sacred community, this royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of God's own choosing. What does it mean for us to be those people? Last week, we looked at um, not only our identity as a sacred people, but the activity of our lives as a sacred community. What, is, what does that look like? And this week, um, we are looking at the resurrection and ascension and what that means for us who participate in the kingdom of God. We are a kingdom people. And uh, just, just kind of a time out, we're, we're actually making our way through the things that make our church community tick. These are our values, rooted, sacred, kingdom, and then the last one is a surprise, but I'll tell you, community. I mean, that's like a gimme. We have coffee, right? But it's actually more than that. We'll talk about that next week. I'm not going to cut it, uh, cut to the chase. But this, 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 this Ascension Sunday, we got this really bizarre story, and you may be thinking, okay, I know you're trying to like really work out, like Sean, you're a preacher, you're leading this church, and so you got to figure out a way to kind of like pivot the scriptures to serve your point about the kingdom, right? No. Actually, there could not be a better, trust me, I mean, you guys know me, I wouldn't do that. We don't, we don't want to impose our reading of Scripture. We want the readings to actually master us, right? We don't want to master and manipulate it. But I, what, I, what I'm going to propose to you guys today, if you give me a fresh hearing, is that this incredible story of the ascension has everything to do with the kingdom of God. And in fact, I'll say this. N.T. Wright has said this, so it's got to be true. This guy's amazing. <laughs> N.T. Wright says, if you get the ascension wrong, you get the kingdom wrong. Ooh. Have you ever put those two together? The ascension and the kingdom quick time out. Kingdom of God, that's like Christian talk. What is, what is that? When we say kingdom of God in scripture, when we see it in scripture, especially with Jesus, the first words that come out of Jesus' mouth in his ministry have to do with the kingdom. Heads up, everybody, stop what you're doing. Repent. The kingdom of God is at hand. It's near. It's among us. It's so close. It's imminent. It's among us, upon us. What is the kingdom of God? What is he talking about when he says that? Well, Jesus is signaling, he's announcing the reality that God and all of his heavenly realm and authority and power is actually imposing himself upon the created order. He's establishing his way of doing things in the world. If you have any inkling for justice or a desire for love or for reconciliation or peace, if you're an artist and you love beauty, Maybe you're a parent and you have hope for your children. All of those things natively belong to the kingdom of God. That's where they come from. Goodness itself has come from the very person of God. And when God has his way in the world, all of those things flourish. They're in their fullness. That way of doing things, that reign and rule of God upon the earth, that is the kingdom of God. And that's what Jesus is announcing. Repent. The kingdom is near. So simply put, if you don't know, if you've never heard of the kingdom or you're like, I've heard that a lot, but I'm not sure what that means. It's basically the direction that God is taking things. It's his like political platform, if you will. It's his agenda. It's his will being poured out and folded upon the earth. And that has everything to do with us in our lives and our plans. This is what the kingdom is. In fact, every week you all stand and say that you believe in the kingdom. Every week you all stand and say you believe this incredible story that Jesus has actually disappeared into the clouds and now sits at the right hand of God the Father. You know that? In the creed, he ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to, to judge the living and the dead. And his what? Kingdom. kingdom. 
Yikes. Okay, so we're on the same page then. Y'all believe this. At least you say you do. What's the deal? And I'm going to unpack this a little bit more, the kingdom that we believe in. What's the deal with Jesus sitting at the right hand of God? Why not the left hand? Or why, why any of these hands? Well, for a monarch, the right hand is actually the seat of power. The throne at the right hand is the seat of power. It's kind of like the CEO of the, the realm of the king. So when we say that Jesus ascended into heaven is seated at the right hand of God the Father, we are saying that Jesus is sitting in the control room of the cosmos with all authority and power to guide all of history to its perfect and fullest end in God. That's what we're saying. Jesus is the seat. Thank you, right? Amen. There's like, that's really good news, people. Come on, are you guys awake today? We're talking about the kingdom of God here for a second. Now, what I'm saying this morning and what I, what I really want us to get our heads wrapped around is that um, we have got to understand how this ascension works with relation to not only the kingdom, but then how we participate in that, what that means for us today. This isn't one of those theological categories that we put on the shelf and say, well, Sean said it, and I'm sure, I mean, it's in the Bible, so it's got to be true. But what I want to invite you today, just if you'll hear me out, I want you to move that idea of the resurrection and the ascension out of the category of spiritual thought or like religious idea. Maybe even for some of you, it's like myth, maybe with a good point. I want to invite you to move that mentally. We're going to do this heavy lifting from that category into historic fact, into this is the reality that I live in light of now into there is not a more true thing that governs the direction of my life and my hopes and my loves and my wants. Y'all with me on that? Let's take it from this mythological category into what if this is true? What if this is actually the world we live in? Well, I think if it is true, and it's not just this, well, Jesus in first century Palestine, and you know, they didn't have science the way we have science back then. If we can just refuse that, because how arrogant and ridiculous that is, and invite it into the category of historic truth, I think our lives will be changed. I think we will actually be formed into that reality and that truth. Well, before I get ahead of myself, let me finish the rest of this story in verse 50 of Luke 24. He says, Then he led them out as far as Bethany, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. While he was blessing them, he withdrew from them and was carried up into heaven. 52, and they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they were continually in the temple blessing God. Whoa, there's like a whole nother sermon there. There, It's interesting that they go back to the temple. These Jews who have seen the Son of Man ascend into the Holy of Holies, this cloud, kind of like Isaiah's vision, what do they do? Well, they go plant churches right away. No, actually, they just, Jesus even said, don't leave Jerusalem, and so they go to the temple worshiping God the way they've known. This had to have been, if you can imagine the disciples in this moment going back to the temple, this had to have been a little bit of a trip for them, wouldn't it? How do you make sense of what just happened, what they've just seen? The human being, Jesus, the incarnate God, who was raised from the dead, is now ascended into the presence of the Father as a human being. I think that's the part maybe that we kind of conveniently exclude. We do this all the time in the liturgy, and it's to make this point. The gospel reading, please stand for the reading of the gospel. Don't stand, but you know that part. We come and get the scriptures. We're processed with the cross. And from up here, which kind of in some ways represents the heavenly realm, okay? 
we descend into the neighborhood, into the lives of the people, right? And in this motion, this is like the most crazy theological statement that we're making here. The invisible God has taken on flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood, as Eugene Peterson puts it. He's among us. We know, we've heard this, and we hear his words, and he's teaching, and, and I'm preaching, and we're announcing the kingdom of God just the way Jesus intended, the way he did himself. And then we stay out here for the rest of the service, right? You guys know how it goes? Where do we go next? Wait a second. So what's being said then? Who this Jesus, who's taken on flesh and blood, and is like all up in our business, right? Has called us to follow him, now goes back into the presence of God the Father, ascending into the heavenly realm. Still human, now at the right hand of God the Father. What's really incredible about this is that Jesus, having taken on our humanity, brings our humanity with him, reunited with God the Father. This, in this one moment, this glimpse that we get of the ascension, what we see is God's aim throughout all of history to reunite all of the created order, his beloved children, his creation, you, with himself. How? Through his son. You see that? This is the gospel, people. Jesus, the invisible God, took on flesh and blood, took on our humanity, took on our sin, died for us, and made for us a way back to be reunited with our creator as things ought to be, as they were always intended to be, as they always will be, and this is called the kingdom of God. Now, heaven and earth aren't these like ripped apart, divorced, divided things that we can say, well, we heard that at church. That's in the spiritual category of my life. The rest of this real life stuff, this material stuff, that's a different part of my life. Jesus says not so. His incarnation says that's ridiculous. His ascension makes sure that you understand that that's ridiculous and brings all of that back into communion with God the Father. Y'all with me? Now, now, if, if we really believe that and we stay and we, we stand and we proclaim that, what do lives look like that believe this? At least. Talk to me, Kaylin. Seriously, though. <laughs> empowered. Yikes. How? How are they empowered? Because now this incarnate one that we know, we've got an in. He has the ear of the Father. He stands there interceding for us constantly, knowing everything you need, Kaylin, before you know you need it. And he's whispering to the Father's ear, do this for Kaylin, for her own good. May your will be done in her life. You know somebody on the inside of the inside, and he loves you. You're his sacred people. He's not abandoned you, but he's brought him with you. Can you see how the ascension is so critically tied to the kingdom of God? In other words, the way God does things in the world. Now I think it becomes a little bit more clear that because of the ascension we are, the church is God's presence, his instrument, his, his work, his activity in the world is actually in us and through us. We are with him and he has ascended to the Father. And we remain here in Jerusalem. And he sends, I'm, not, I'm getting ahead of myself next week's Pentecost, but I'll just cut to the chase. He sends his spirit's power, his own spirit, to dwell within us, to empower us, to do his work in the world. For many of us who grew up thinking that spiritual was this thing inside your heart, 
church and religion was this hidden, personal, private thing. Keep it to yourself. That's something that goes in your heart or in your head and doesn't, doesn't belong out here. This should totally confront that. This should totally undo that. Jesus says, not so. Your whole life, the, the heart, the head, the wallet, your body, the way you use your body, maybe the illnesses or diseases that you have in your body, your jobs, your marriages, your friends, your priorities, all of your plans. Jesus has taken on all those things and wants all of those things and desires for all of those things, every single last bit of our lives, to be reconciled with the Father and healed, drawn with him into the ascension, made right. Isn't that great? That's, whether we like it or not, that's just kind of like Sean saying, matter of fact, here's what's up, people. That's the reality of things. The ascension, thank God, puts, us, puts before us this really clear picture of the gospel and of what's coming, what God is intent on doing, what's going to happen in history. All of creation reunited with its creator through Jesus. So let's revisit this. I told you, I want to invite you all to move this idea of Jesus incarnate, resurrected, ascended, out of the category of spiritual thought. Like, someone knit that and put that on in a frame and in the house and some, you know, so that people know we're Christians. Um, or bumper sticker kind of stuff. Let's move it out of that benign mental category that just has nothing to do with our real lives and, and actually place it where it's meant to be. Let's, in, order, in other words, let's not be delusional about this news, but let's actually live in reality. Let's kind of splash some cold water on our face and say, here's the truth. The invisible God has entered into your life, taken on your humanity, and reunited you with your creator. Now, our response to that, what, what could that be? Maybe it looks something a lot like what the disciples did after being blessed and seeing this incredible thing with Jesus ascending into the presence of God the Father. They worshiped. They went back to the temple. They waited on the Lord for the things that he told them he would deliver. Having seen what the disciples saw, they had so much confidence and trust that Jesus would actually deliver on his promise, whatever it was. They didn't even know what it was. We're going to clothe you with power. What in the world does that mean? I don't know, but let's hang out in Jerusalem and find out. Folks, where are you at today with the things that God has promised you? Maybe he's given you just like an eighth of an instruction, and you're like, Lord, what, what's the rest of this about? I don't know. Maybe you should just wait to find out. Where are you at today with the things that you place your trust in, the things that you really depend on? Is it this truth that Jesus has taken on your reality and reunited you with your creator? Or is it something else? How do you live your life under what authority? Under who? Who do you give ultimate authority in your life? Another way of asking this is, who's the person you're always thinking of making sure that whatever you're about to do next is good and okay? I need their approval. It's not all bad. Maybe it's your spouse. It's probably a good idea, gentlemen. All right? But unless it's Jesus who sits on the throne of God, that you look to and say, you have all authority in my life. I place myself under your lordship, under your care. Unless that's first and foremost, 
everything else is actually just not going to work out. It's actually not going to be good for you. The resurrection and the ascension of Jesus gives us this really crystal clear HD glimpse of reality. Not so that we can just go away and be theologians with it, but that we will become witnesses of these things, like the scriptures say. You know the difference between um, a witness and someone who just knows something is that there's this firsthand experience that they've had. They've like actually seen it, right? It's different witnessing something versus reading about it in a book. Jesus is inviting us to, to get such a glimpse of his ascension along with his disciples that we wouldn't just know about the authority of Jesus and his desire for our lives to be reconciled, but that we would witness it for ourselves. And that that witness would form us into the kinds of people that go out into the world and announce and demonstrate and embody the goodness of God in his kingdom. That's what a witness is. So our response this morning, I invite you, let's, let's be the kind of people that have caught such a glimpse of this, that we not only turn to the Lord and worship him, thanking him for this incredible gift and miracle, that we have someone on the inside interceding for us in all authority and power, but also that we would be sent into the world as those firsthand witnesses of what God does in lives like people like ours, right? Can you imagine what that would do to a community like ours, to a neighborhood like ours, South Austin in 2017? Church, when we take the ascension sincerely and seriously, we get a fresh look at, at what God's aiming at, what he's up to, and we're invited to participate and join in. Wherever you are in your life this morning, your invitation is there. God has like put something before you. Said, hey, I want you to do this. Here's the next step. You don't have it all figured out. I get it. You don't need to have it all figured out. But I want to invite you to just trust me. I'm the one sitting on the throne, guiding the cosmos to its most perfect end. And I'm the one inviting you to become a witness of that reality. Amen. You're listening to Resurrection South Austin, a community of faith, learning to do life together in the goodness of God. For more information, you can find us online at resaustin.com.